Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. From KCBS Radio, I'm Keith Manconi, in for Matt Pittman, and this is Bay Current for Thursday, March 17th. It's been more than two years since the pandemic closed down offices and forced many workers to set up shop at home. But now, several COVID surges and a whole lot of Zoom calls later, the march back into the office is beginning to pick up speed, with the likes of Twitter and Google in recent weeks firming up their reopening plans. Of course, though, an awful lot has changed over the past two years, and it's safe to say that the office life workers will be going back to will be pretty different from what they left behind. So for some perspective on what we should expect, I spoke recently with Nick Bloom, a professor of economics at Stanford University. He's been helping to run a recurring survey since the early days of the pandemic, aimed at sizing up just how the work-from-home experiment has been going. Here's our conversation on what he found. Nick Bloom, welcome to Bay Current. Thanks for having me on. So starting off, let's talk a little bit about uh, what you've been turning up in those survey results. Uh, I guess the most obvious point might be uh, fair to say that in general, uh, workers who have been able to work from home have liked the experience? Yes, yes. So, I mean, working from home overall has been an amazing success throughout the pandemic. Uh, I mean, we should point out that only about half of Americans can work from home. So half of you know people can't, unfortunately. But for those of us that can, it's been wildly popular. And it looks like it's going to stick, but not full time. So it looks like you know what people want, what they're going to get is typically to work from home two, three days a week after the pandemic ends and go into the uh, workplace two, three days a week. Yeah. And it does look like there is going to, as you suggested there, be a, something of a range of approaches that businesses are going to take. And that's sort of the news that's been coming out over the past couple of weeks. We've been hearing from various companies how they're going to approach this question and a little bit of a spectrum that's starting to develop. On the one hand, we have Twitter, which has said that they're going to allow workers to come in basically whenever they want. Some workers may not come in at all. Then somewhere in the middle, we have Google, which is asking workers to come back uh, for three days a week. So sort of that hybrid workplace model that you just referenced there. Uh, and then finally, on the other end of the spectrum, we've got Goldman Sachs, which is asking its employees to return to a full five-day in-office work week, basically just back to before we were uh, where we were before the pandemic. Uh, so a lot of diversity there, Nick Bloom. Yes, <laughs> there is a lot of diversity. So you know, if you're a small company, it's worth knowing that around a quarter of people 
never want to work from home. They, they really dislike it. They say it's lonely and isolating and around a quarter of people love it with the remaining half of us wanting something in between, wanting, you know, two, three days in the office, two, three days at home. So for small companies, you can say, look, we're just going to be an in-person company or a fully remote company. And most people don't like it, but our five, 10 employees that really like that are going to stick with us. I think for big companies, it makes much more sense to take something in the middle. So the Google plan to me seems pretty sensible. You know, the average employee wants to work from home two, three days a week and you give them what they want. I you know, honestly think Goldman Sachs is making a big mistake. There's a lot of chest beating amongst bankers saying, you know, we're in-person people. You've got to come back. The folks that I know I've talked to in Goldman Sachs, you know, are not planning to go back full time. Some of them have said they're just going to quit if they're forced to go back. So I'm not even sure they're ever going to get there. The CEO has announced that that's their plan. It's not even clear they're ever going to make it. And I think they're going to find it so costly because so many people quit, say they hate working full time in the office that they're going to probably change their minds later this year. Speaking once again with Nick Bloom, professor of economics at Stanford University. So obviously companies are weighing some pretty hefty decisions at this moment, uh, trying to figure out exactly how they're going to approach these questions. What have we learned over the past two years about what companies get out of work from home employees? What have we learned about the productivity of these employees? What have we learned about the impacts of work from home on company culture and the ability of workers to collaborate and innovate together? What has this experiment turned up? Yeah, so I think we've learned, that, you know, there are a couple of really good reasons to come in the office. And they're firstly, about innovation and creativity. It seems that people are more creative, more innovative when they work face to face. And secondly, it helps to build culture, you know, like connections, you know, your co-workers, you have a better sense of what's going on. But there's some big upsides of working from home. And the most obvious is we save a huge amount of time by avoiding commute. We save about 60 minutes a day on commute, and we actually save an extra 10 minutes a day because we spend less time getting ready for work when we're at home. So people spend 20 minutes getting ready when they work from home, 30 minutes when they go into the office. The other benefit of working from home is it's quieter, or at least will be post-pandemic when you know all the kids are back at school. So you may think, look, there are benefits on both sides. The reason hybrid has come to dominate is it's kind of the best of both worlds. So Firms like, let's say Apple, they've said you're going to come into the office Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. You have all your FaceTime, big meetings, client events, trainings, presentations, lunches, etc. Then, And then the upside is Wednesday, Friday, you do your quiet work and you save in a commute. And in that sense, it's turning out looking like kind of the best of both worlds. You can kind of have our cake and eat it if we design and execute hybrid work. Well, yeah, and that was kind of an interesting finding in your survey results is the workers themselves are expressing a preference for about two and a half days on average back in the office. You know, uh, I might have expected it to be no days back in the office, but even workers are saying we want to be back at least some of the time. Yeah, I mean, there's an enormous spread. So a quarter of people out there love working from home and never want to go back. So certainly, the, you know, you think of there's 100 and roughly 160 million working Americans, that's 40 million people that would love to work from home forever. But then the other three quarters want to go in at least one day a week. And then, you know, on average, we know across everyone, it's two to three. And I can kind of see why. I mean, 
you know, I like working from home. I like saving the commute. It's less stressful. It's a bit more flexible. But I also like going into work. I and mean, when I talk to employees, they say the same thing. In fact, we ask people, why do you like going into work? And the top two reasons were working with colleagues and then socializing with colleagues. Amusingly, spending time with their manager was number six, way, way down. You know, the free bagels, the ping pong tables, all that stuff <laughs> is way down. People yeah. basically want to go into work to be with their colleagues and work with their you know, co-workers. That's the big driver. Nick Bloom, if we are talking about a hybrid work model, there are some complexities here. I know that you have been looking into this for many, many years, what exactly this is going to be like. But for a lot of companies, this is really uncharted territory. What are the biggest questions that companies are going to have to figure out as they try to navigate this new terrain? So one thing for, you know, firms out there, I would say none of us know this is, you know, completely a brave new world. I would set up a policy and very clearly say this is going to be the policy for the rest of this year. At around December, we're going to survey the entire firm. We're going to talk to everyone. We're going to decide a, a long run policy for 2023 onwards. But for the rest of this year, I would advise hybrid. The big question I get asked is, should you let employees choose which days they're coming or should you coordinate? And broadly, I've been advising folks to try and coordinate, at least at the team or the company level. And the reason is when you talk to employees that return to the office, when it's uncoordinated, they'll say things like, you know, I go into the office, but half the people aren't there. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of low energy. It's dead. I'm on Zoom most of the day. Like, why am I here to do this? I might as well work from home. So, I would probably say, look, why don't we come into the office, let's say Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We know people like to work from home most on Mondays and Fridays. We're going to all try and come in, say, on those three days. They're going to be three lively days. They're going to be energized. We're going to have a lot of meetings, events together. M Monday, Friday, enjoy the time at home. Or maybe we allow Wednesday as well as an extra work from home day if you're, say, going for a two, three plan. But something that's well signposted, that's well coordinated, and it's clear this is only for the rest of this year, and we're going to revisit this at Christmas. Maybe we stick with it, but maybe we figure out something better. Yeah. Another interesting finding that was turned up over the past two years, uh, maybe a lot of folks were already aware of this, but I think it's become more crystallized, is that some of the people that prefer work from home the most are women and people of color. And a lot of that just has to do with the flexibility uh, that is needed. Uh, talk a little bit about that finding and, and what's behind it. Yeah. So this kind of two groups that you see prefer working from and one is who you know you find people with young kids actually whether it's men or women prefer working more time but not full time from home but within that group you're right women particularly so folks with older age dependence uh disabled people have a slightly higher preference people with long commutes this is a group who you can think of they prefer working from home for various logistical reasons it's harder to get to work or they have more demands in their time at home there's a second finding, which is people that you define as minorities in their workplace, which means less than 10% of their colleagues are in the same age, politics, uh, religion, race, or gender, also report lower preferences to go into the office. And here, I think it's more an issue of, do you feel more comfortable at work or do you feel you have to you know, act up or act in a different way because you're in some senses, more different from your colleagues. And I think this highlights why, in order to support diversity across many dimensions, I mean, obviously not just gender and race, but think about political views, religion, et cetera, it's important to allow people to work from home two, three days a week because it gives them a bit of breathing space. So 
as we're seeing across firms, one of the ways to support diversity is actually to have a reasonable, not excessive, but not none work from home policy. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, really, this is a policy and a set of questions that is going to touch just about every aspect of people's work lives. Uh, and just reflecting on how much has changed over the past two years, how much our expectations have changed over the past two years, uh, Nick Bloom, I mean, is it fair to say that this is one of the biggest upheavals in how Americans ha- are, are, are working and are going to work over the past many decades? Yeah, you know, it's hard to think of, you know, maybe World War Two, maybe World War One, when you're rearmed, you know, there's a... Uh, you can hear I'm British, but a big deal for Britain was, you know, the wars, because suddenly before then women didn't used to work. And, you know, the men were sent off to fight and they the women entered the arms factories and they discovered, you know, now it seems obvious, but women work just as well as men in these factories. And that, you know, that stuck with us. I think the pandemic is going to be very similar with working from home. We were I've been working on this for almost 20 years and pre-pandemic people were deeply skeptical and would say things like, working from home, shirking from home, or working remotely, remotely working. The pandemic has just vaporized that view, and it is clearly here to stay. In fact, I was talking to a recruiter earlier in the week, and she was saying, you know what? You know, I tell my clients now, unless you're offering a work-from-home job, forget it, or you've got to pay 20% more because everyone wants to work two, three days a week from home. No one, this is from IT, no one is taking these fully in-person jobs unless there's a lot of extra cash. Yeah. When, and I suppose there's still a lot more to shake out. But uh, your prediction, the hybrid model is going to be the one that catches on most broadly. You think that's uh, here to stay? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I don't. It, it's a dangerous game predicting too far yeah. out. But certainly for the next six months, hybrid looks like it's dominating. I would have thought, you know, probably next two to three years. After that, technology could change. I mean, imagine virtual reality. We may discover that mm. you know virtual reality is so great that in ten years' time, you know, we hardly ever come into work. Um, but yeah, it, you know, if it were my business or my, uh, I was working with folks, I'd suggest hybrid for the rest of this year and then reassess at Christmas. Yeah, well, a lot more to shake out, but uh, certainly for folks that can stay home, uh, a lot of better work opportunities and work situations on offer as well. So uh, happy working, everybody. Uh, we have been speaking right here to Nick Bloom. He, once again, is a professor of economics at Stanford University. Nick Bloom, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me on. New episodes of Bay Current are out every day, and we'd love to be a part of your daily routine. You can subscribe to us on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and just about anywhere you listen. We're also on YouTube on the KCBS Radio YouTube page. This conversation that you just heard, by the way, will also be featured on this week's KCBS In-Depth program. That's our weekly talk show, bringing you a deeper look at some of the biggest news stories shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. Catch the full program this Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and again at 8.30 p.m. That's it for now, though. For Bay Current, I'm Keith Menconi, in for Matt Pittman. Thanks for joining us. We'll chat with you again tomorrow. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 